Welcome to the geek to geek podcast, where our books have no pages. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. My pages don't have books. I don't know what that means. Um, today, we're Neither talking about audiobooks, which is why our books have no pages. Get it? Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, audiobooks. So this one has been on our list since before we started. When we, when we brainstormed ideas for the podcast and we thought about all these topics we want to talk about, um, audiobooks was on there. And it's been really fun to kind of jump on the the week-to-week news of the week. Um, you know, Captain America was cool because it was very current. And we're going to keep doing that. But we have this big list of ideas. So we're going to keep going back to these two. So audiobooks. Should we talk about kind of our history and where we're coming from? Yeah, probably because a lot of people have, at least for me, the experience that I have with people is that they don't know that I don't think I would like audiobooks. And so I have to try to convince them of it, which is kind of what we're doing here. And that's kind of where you were, right? That's like where you yeah, started. It is. I hated the idea of it, honestly. I had, I had not listened to a lot of anything and like I'd never listened to stuff. I had a hard time focusing. I thought the idea of just someone reading a book to me would be just terrible. And at one point, my girlfriend at the time when I was in college washed my iPod like she was doing laundry and doing something really nice for me. And when I came home, I found my nice new iPod video when they first came out like that uh, to do video was in the bottom of the washing machine as I put clothes uh, in the dryer. And so... I had to go buy a new iPod, and the new one came with a trial from Audible at the time. This was, I think, 2006, maybe. And I was like, for two free audiobooks, why not? So I downloaded Ender's Game, and I can't remember what else, but I listened to Ender's Game first. as the first audiobook I ever listened to, and it was phenomenal. It was so much more than somebody reading a book to me. It was fleshed out and, and, and dramatized, and different narrators for different characters and different perspectives it was just it was just phenomenal and making a three-hour drive back and forth from college at that point uh to my from my parents house back up to where i lived it was it was it made the commute so much easier listening to it and i've been hooked ever since it's been 10 years and i still to this day have an active audible subscription from it wow you came to them way earlier than i did um really yeah i probably started listening to audiobooks maybe three years ago somewhere around okay. there so that was like 2013 like not that long ago it, it was right around the time where the job i was working at um it moved from one of the like first ring suburbs of the city i live in it moved to downtown okay. so getting down there was harder and i switched my commute so that i was riding a bus downtown every day riding a bus back there was this long commute that i had every single day and i just had to fill it with something while i was just sitting there on the bus so i started with podcasts and that's kind of when i got okay. into podcasts i kept hearing audible ads on podcasts and uh, i finally got okay. to the point where i i had a huge staple of podcasts and i caught up on all of them and i was like well what do i listen to now when i'm commuting back and forth and i was like well maybe i'll give this audible a trial a try and i picked a book that i already had read and i knew i already liked so that oh. i wouldn't judge it based on like bad writing you know i wanted to just know yeah. if the format worked for me and i don't remember which book was the first one but i liked it i liked it a lot and i did that free trial and i was like yep this is for me so i signed up and i've had an audible subscription ever since so i think i'm at the like one credit a month where you get yeah you know, one credit equals one book however much that book costs that's that's what I'm on right now as well. I've got a few stocked up, but I keep the one credit a month. Then whenever there's a book I want, I just keep grabbing it. I think it's 15 bucks a month is what it is, $14.99, I think. It might even be less than that when you're on the subscription. It might be closer to 10 I want to say. It's not a whole lot. I can't lot. remember. I mean, especially... Yeah, it, it, for audiobooks, it's not much at all. No, because if you go to buy them on your own, they're like you know, in the 30 to 40, sometimes 50 or $60 range, depending on which book mm -hmm. and how long the book is. So when you're on like the Audible subscription, you know, for like 10, maybe 15 bucks a month, like you can, you get such a good deal on them. So I've always used Audible. Have you ever yes. tried any other format? Like I know they're on iTunes and I think there are some other places too. I've used CDs a couple of times and it was miserable. I checked them out from my library because I saw books that I wanted to listen to and didn't want to spend audible credits on. And I hated it. I hated having to switch out CDs in my car and keep the big binder and things like that, that they come in and flip in and out while I'm driving. It was just way too much trouble for what it was worth. So I went back to the digital files. I could just download, keep on my iPod or my phone now and... 
I was hooked on that. I never tried cassette tapes. I never actually did any of the actual books on tape. Like people still call them books on tape. Never tried any of that. I'm old school and, and, and a lot of ways with technology, but that was one that just never hit me at all. I actually do use a system called Overdrive, though. Have you ever used Overdrive? Uh, is that the library thing? I yes. think I've heard of it, but I haven't actually it's- used it. It's great. A couple of years ago, before I had an Audible subscription, I uh, again, I, I canceled it for a while. Uh, the library here, my wife works as the the programming and publicity person, and so she was doing a whole lot of pushing on their new uh, OverDrive subscription. They're part of a consortium nearby. We were, I started using it and downloading new books, and it was wonderful to be able to just see if they had books I wanted to listen to. It forced me to actually get through the books because there was a 14-day limit on how long you could borrow them. And if somebody else put a hold on the book that wanted to check it out after you, you didn't get to renew it. So I knew that I was going to have to listen to that book and finish it if I wanted uh, access to it again without having to wait to check it out again if somebody else wanted it. So is it like a library? It's, it's like checking it out from the library, but an audiobook instead of a physical book, basically. Yeah. There's an app called uh, that I, th- I know you can just look for it on uh, the app stores uh, called Overdrive, and you put in your library card number, you find your library, and you put your library card number in, and you just go through and download books to the app, and it plays just like any other app on your phone. Uh, it's wonderful. Like I, I use it a lot, just walking around the neighborhoods during the summer or anything like that. I've I loved it. I found a lot of books I liked like that. Uh, That's other really than cool. Audible. I never use iTunes, though. I know it's a major thing for audiobooks, but I've never once grabbed a book from there. Have you? No, I mean, I I don't really buy things on iTunes. I buy things from the App Store, so, you know, apps for my phone. But outside of that, like, I just don't really like um, what iTunes does when it tries to control your music and your purchases and things like that. So I always make sure to, if I'm buying things instead of streaming them, I always make sure to buy them in a format that I can download and have my own copy of that file. Um, yeah, and iTunes isn't great for that. But True. it's funny that you mentioned cassette tapes that you never did because my first audiobook was actually when my wife and I were dating and uh, she had like three different Harry Potter books on tape on cassette tape because Oh wow. You know, her car um still has a cassette player and right. So she had, I think it was book four, five, and six. She had them all on cassette tape. And so, you know, oh. um, at one point she had them all organized in order. But by the time that I was on some kind of road trip with her to, you know, go meet family or visit right. somewhere, I don't remember where we were going. But she just had them in like a jumble next to her center console. So she would just grab a tape and put it in. And we would listen to however much of the book would fit on that cassette tape, which isn't a whole lot and then she'd just take it out and grab another one and put it in and it wouldn't matter what it was because she knew all the books she had them memorized basically so it was like it was like um listening to three harry potter books mixed up on shuffle and it was just oh it was hilarious but it was awesome too i was about that that sounds like a choose your own adventure harry potter like weird that's odd that i can't even imagine that might make my brain explode well my wife has a really really good memory um once she she only needs to like hear something or read something or watch something the first time and then she basically has it memorized like she's really good at that so she already read the books and she'd already listened to the books on tape once like it didn't matter to her you know she can just pick up whatever cassette and put it in which it was just hilarious that oh man i can't even imagine that right now that that hurts my head. I think I have a headache from thinking about switching from one book to another just in the middle like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my other my only other real yeah. format. Besides that, I've always done Audible. Well, and the other thing is like Audible integrates with Kindle. And I mean, this kind of gets into right. why they're good. I know we want to talk about why we like audiobooks, yeah. why they're good for us. And one of the main things with me is the integration with Kindle. Audiobooks have... If if you have Audible, um, a lot of the audiobooks have something called WhisperSync, which is basically if you own the book on Kindle and you own the same book on Audible, it right. will do the thing where, you know, your Kindle always syncs to the same place you are across any device. It will then include your Audible book in that. So uh-huh. I would have days where, you know, I would start my day on a commute. I would listen to my Audible book um, while I was doing the commute. And then maybe on my lunch break, I would pick it up 
on my phone or my Kindle and read for a while. And then on the commute home, I'd pick up the audiobook version again and listen. So it was like this back and forth, but it was always at the right place. And I think that's so cool. That's like a killer feature for me. It's a wonderful feature, and I always hear about it, and I've never once used it. Because I keep the Wi-Fi off of my actual Kindle. I have a paper white that I keep in on my bed stand or my nightstand by my bed. And I never keep the Wi-Fi on because I have to charge it more often. So whenever I do anything with, between audiobooks that I own, the physical copy and the or the digital copy, to me it's the physical copy, uh, the digital copy of it and the audio copy, I never do any kind of syncing like that. I'm always listening or, to a separate book because that's how I get through more books is I'll read one at night and and that I'll be listening to one in my car or as I'm running or doing something like that where I can get through multiple books quicker than I can that way. Though I guess it evens out, you know, if you're, you know, you get through one faster. So but I'm always having two different books at the same time. Yeah, for me, it's more the ones that I'm like really, really into and I don't want to put down, but I have to go do other things. Um, and, and that's I mean, that's one of the things about audiobooks that I started using them outside of my commute because as my kids got older and I started my own business like I have less and less free time to just sit down yeah. and read. And it gives me a way to still get through stories and keep up with authors that I love, even though I don't have as much time to sit down and look at a thing while doing nothing else. Mm-hmm. Because I can put in my headphones and I can do the dishes or cook or go for a walk or go for a run or whatever. You know, it's uh-huh. the multitasking. Yeah, for me, that's the most important thing is to be able to live my life while still being able to consume the media that I want, yeah. where I feel more accomplished by listening to a book while I'm washing the dishes, cooking dinner, prepping dinner, um, cleaning the floors, like sweeping the floors, cleaning the house, somehow putting away clutter, doing laundry, whatever. I feel more accomplished than I would be if I had the TV on, even with a TV show that I want to watch. Like, let's say it was Jessica Jones that I haven't like playing on TV while I'm while I'm vacuuming the floor and I can hear or sweeping or anything like that where I can actually hear it. I feel more accomplished listening to an audiobook while I do that than I do like getting through a season of TV while I'm doing housework. And I don't know what that is. It's kind of the value that we place on books over other kind of media, even though it's not necessarily true anymore. Or whether it ever has been, but that's the way I feel. It's like I can get through these books that by authors that I want that I cannot get through any other way. And I can still be a productive adult and not worry about it. Well, I know for me, part of it is that if if I'm going to watch TV, I'm going to sit down and watch TV. With some stuff, you have said that you like keep it on while you're, you know, maybe while you're working or or playing a game, you'll keep things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on because it doesn't require your full attention. So I'm calling you out. If it, that's if it's not good TV and it's something I'm just trying to like get through, which I don't yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of that. I the shows that I watch, I sit down and watch because they're good enough right. because bad TV just makes me angry because I did video for so long. Yeah. And like when you're listening to an auto audio book or a podcast, you're not having to use your eyes, you know, and it right. It sounds so obvious, but like that's why my wife really likes audiobooks. is she's a knitter. Like that's her main hobby is knitting. OK. And. There are some things where she can have the TV on, you know, like if it's a reality TV show or if it's something that she's only kind of into and she's just listening to. But when she's listening to an audiobook, she gets the entirety of the audiobook. She doesn't feel like she's missing anything while she's knitting because her eyes are on her knitting, her hands are on her knitting and her ears are on the audiobook. Which is cool. Which I'm I'm the same way on that one. I like it. But it's also part of the reason I can't just sit and listen to something. I'm not a music person. And I have a hard time. My wife tries to explain to me this idea of active listening that she has where she will sit down and she always has sat down and listened to an album and focus entirely on the music and what's being done and how it's played in the lyrics. And I cannot do this. I maybe it's my personality. Maybe I have a personality disorder I'm not aware of, but I cannot because I'm aware of quite a few of them. And I cannot focus on just audio that the problem that I have with that's the reason I like audiobooks is I can do other things, but I cannot just sit and listen to one. I get antsy and anxious and I have to start going and doing something else if it's audiobooks solely. It's the same way with podcasts and music too. I cannot just sit and that's what I'm doing. It's always going to be the secondary thing that I'm, even if it's the primary thing I'm doing, there is a secondary action going on at the same time. I'm the exact same way. So I don't think you're crazy. Um, I always do the the listening is like a secondary activity. I'm I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks when I'm running or doing housework 
or if i'm a lot of times if i'm playing a game you know if it's not a narrative driven game um if it's something like hearthstone or overwatch or something like that one of the so i noticed what i was doing probably about a year ago was i would want to listen to my audiobook or my podcast at night and i'd put my phone down next to me um when i'm sitting down to like play a game Uh at the computer and i put in my headphones and i would totally ignore the audio of the game and that was fine but i kind of missed a little bit of the audio of the game Uh uh-huh so i was due for a headphone upgrade anyway and i got the um they're called a40s i forget the brand of them but they come with like a a mixer, like a breakout mixer, and that will accept an aux input. So one of the coolest things I've been able to do in the last year is I use those when I'm sitting down at my PC and I plug my phone into those and I can like change the mix level between my phone audio and the game audio so I can get both again. That's neat. Yeah, so I started doing that and I I really like that, especially for games that are just kind of like multiplayer when I'm not playing with friends, I don't need to do like voice chat, you know, or like overwatch hearthstone something where i don't really fully need to pay attention to the in-game audio um you know i wouldn't do it for a narrative driven game like i'm not going to be playing a final fantasy game while listening to a podcast mm-hmm. but for a lot of other games it it works really well so when i was doing my masters that's something that that i ran into that when i was doing my thesis it got canned and i had to do a series of directed readings and i had two months to get 26 books read and I wrote eight page papers on each of them. It was very strenuous. It was very hard to do. And it was right around the time that Wrath of the Lich King came out on uh, on World of Warcraft. So what I talked to my director about was I asked him if it was possible to listen to audiobooks and do this work because of the sheer amount of work and the, the time limit that I was into, the time constraints. And he told me that yeah, that's fine. He was like, Andy, the book's a book. He was like, listen to whatever you have to do. That's fine. You know, just cite it like you do, da 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 And so I did. And I learned that I cannot play an MMO while listening to an audiobook that I thought I could, that I remember listening to Stephen King's It on audiobook. And it is a magnificent audiobook. It is one of my favorite Stephen King books, and it is super intense. And even as intense as it was, once I got into Grizzly Hills, I'll never forget it because I can still see it in my head. It's one of those sense memories. I started focusing on the quests I was doing. And even though I don't read quest text in World of Warcraft, I was still paying attention to what my character was doing and completely zoned out the audiobook. And I learned that just because I was immersed in the world, that it has to be something like you said, either Overwatch or Hearthstone or something more casual, that the moment I get into an immersive game, the audiobook just goes out the window. And it was, you know, it was, that was 2009, I want to say. No, that was late 2008 whenever I was doing that. So it was, it was, I just learned I cannot do MMOs like that, but I'm the same way other games and things like that are wonderful to do i'll do hearthstone with audiobooks a bunch yeah and i've learned that there are some things that like i can't listen to an audiobook and do at the same time like trying to um type or like write something you know in my tone of voice when someone else is already talking in my ear just doesn't really work um there's there's things like that but there are so many circumstances where it's so easy to like put in headphones because you're just doing something physical or you're doing something that doesn't take up your whole like brain uh-huh. power so i i really like using them there i love doing it mowing the lawn actually i can see it, that uh, for some reason just mowing the lawn is just calming and i'll listen to like narrative uh essay collections about running and things like that and for some reason it's just it's relaxing to listen to dean carnassus talk about ultra marathoning while i'm pushing a lawnmower i don't i don't know why and then so i mean we're just kind of talking about why we like them um another reason that i like them is that it and I know this is a reason that my wife really likes audiobooks too, is they add a performance element to a story. And yes. I I didn't think about this when I got into them, but now that I've listened to a bunch, it's definitely a thing. The narrator can make or break a book. And yeah. it becomes obvious as soon as you get a book with a bad narrator or one that just doesn't click with you. Yes. And then you can get a book that's improved by the narration. And it's it's really interesting how much the narration is a performance. Whereas when I listen to podcasts, I think of them as informational and, um, okay. you know, conversation. But I like I, I know this is a performance like when you and I are talking and we're putting this out there for people. I know it is. But I something in my brain doesn't quite click that way, which is why when I listen to podcasts, I listen at two times speed. But when I listen right. to audiobooks, I always listen at one time speed, which is why 
I don't understand why you are the opposite. I'm exactly the opposite on that. I'll listen to it at about one and a half to two speed on audiobooks, and podcasts are one speed almost the entire way. And I think is because of the inconsistencies in podcasts is that I need to hear someone's voice, that they're so short. I don't have a long time, like we had talked about before on one of the other episodes, I can't remember which one, about gradually stepping up. It may have been Burton and Scrooge, where... We, you talked about ramping up your speed as you got used to it, and now you're up to two speed. And I don't have that going back and forth with different podcasts that because most of us are not professional voice actors, we don't have the cadence then and a director telling us to slow it down and take another take. Listening to it is I'll miss information in a podcast, whereas in an audiobook, I can get the I have 12 hours that'll be cut down to, you know, seven or eight maybe and i can still get the story because it's a professional narrator at that speed yeah and for me i i listen to so many podcasts that i don't actually think i could get through all of mine in a week if i didn't listen to them at two times speed now um it's basically mandatory but you're right i mean i slowly stepped it up but i still think it's it's such a performance that's been done with you know a professional narrator a professional like, you know, producer, director, all of those things. Like, I know what goes in behind the scenes of, you know, professional, like, voiceover work because I did video for so long. And I I guess I just appreciate it when it's done well. So I always listen to audiobooks on one-time speed. But, I mean, that's that's something where I think it's really, it adds something, you know? It's a cool thing that's unique to audiobooks in a way is that professional narration. Sometimes they do really cool things with it. Like, there was an... I know know we'll do a couple recommendations later, but while we're on the topic, um, there was an Ender's Game, like it was an adaptation of Ender's Game into basically like a radio play done as an audiobook. That sounds so cool. And it was a full cast. So like every person was cast as a separate voice actor and, you know, they they talked back and forth. It wasn't somebody reading to you, which is it's good. I mean, that's what most books are, but it was more of a performance. And that one was really cool for me, too. That sounds magnificent. I, I, I'm i going to listen to that eventually, especially since Ender's Game was the first one I ever listened to, and I've gone back and listened to it multiple times now. Speaking of narrators, do you have a, do you have a favorite narrator who, if you see that they're narrating a book, you're going to get that book regardless of what it is? No, not yet. I mean, I know, I know some books that I really like the narrator, but I guess I've never seeked out a book because of who is narrating it. I, th- I have, and there are two of them that I just absolutely love. And one of them is, I think his name is David Aaron Baker. He did the Odd Thomas books by Dean Koontz, that he is Odd Thomas. Like, he is a magnificent voice actor. Anything that he ever does, I'm going to listen to, whether it is radio, uh, podcast, any kind of audiobook. Like, I just love his voice. He is a fantastic voice actor. And the other one is Will Wheaton. Have you, You've listened to Will Wheaton narrate audiobooks, right? I have, yeah. I, I really like him as a narrator. Okay. I don't particularly like him as an actor that watching him on anything it's it's i like him you know geek guy he he is he is great but when i see him on a show he is playing will wheaton playing this character he's kind of of the he feels kind of stiff for some reason and that's just the way he's directed and the way he does and then i listen to him as an audiobook narrator and he is so good anything that he puts his voice on i will listen to it is magnificent he is so good at it and i seek out books that he does just to be able to get more of his narration he may be my absolute favorite narrator of audiobooks he yeah he is really good i've listened to a handful of books um i think he's done a couple of john scalzi's and i really like john scalzi yeah. so I like him a lot as a narrator. I like him on tabletop and some other stuff too. But yeah, as a as a narrator, yeah, tabletop's when it comes cool. To, when it comes to audiobooks, he's really good. And I mean, I, I guess another thing that I just like about audiobooks in general. So this is something that I found that's it's kind of like a utility part of it is that there yeah. are some books that I really, really, really want to get through. And every time I try to read them, <laughs> I hit a wall. It's like a brick wall. I just cannot keep reading because I'm so frustrated or so bored or the pacing is so off. But I want to get through it anyway. Most of the time, if I hit yes. these, I will just give up. And that's fine. Like, I'm better at letting go. And, okay, I didn't finish that book. I'll just move on to one I like. But there are some. So, like, for Game of Thrones, and I know we talked about this when we were on Burton and Scrooge, uh-huh. but we haven't talked about it here. But when I was reading Game of Thrones, um, I liked right. the first book and the second book. Um, I thought they were pretty good. And then the third book I loved, and it was fantastic. 
and then the fourth right. book and the fifth book are like hitting a brick wall in terms of pacing they are horribly paced there are too many characters there isn't enough mm-hmm. interesting things going on but the books were ahead of the show for so long i wanted that story i wanted the context yes. before we got caught up with the show so i had to get through them and the only way i could do it was by getting the audiobooks and doing something else while somebody was reading it to me i didn't even like the narrator that much I still didn't love the books, the book four and five, but I got through them. And so now I know that sometimes if there's a book and a lot of people are talking about it or it's something that's like culturally well known and I really want to get through it, but I can't read through it. um, Picking up the audiobook is a good second option for me a lot of the time. I could see that. I I don't I can't think of any time I've done that, but I know. I want to, that I, I want to do it with the Wheel of Time books. I really can't make myself sit down and read like the 10,000 pages of that series, or may, it's more than 10,000 pages now. I mean, it's probably 15,000 pages, but I also can't bring myself to listen to that many hours of the audiobooks either. It's just so intimidating, but I cannot read it. And that's that may be what I need to do with Game of Thrones, that in order to get through it, it might be better for me to listen to them because I really don't think I can read them. Yeah, it might be a good option for you. And one of the other things is if you've already bought the book on Kindle, um, a lot of the time if you so instead of looking at it through the Audible interface, if you go look at it through the Amazon.com interface, like navigate to that Kindle book. And if they have an Audible version listed, I mean, Audible is an Amazon company now. A lot of the time, Mm -hmm. if you own that Kindle book already, you can get the narration, the Audible version for really, really cheap, like a couple bucks, you know, like three to five dollars instead of spending a credit in Audible or spending, you know, 30 to 50 dollars in Audible if you're not subscribed, you know, that's a really good option, too, especially for books that you either own and you love or a book that you own and you can't get through. And you're like, oh, I'm, I want to try the other version. You know, maybe you can get it for a couple bucks. Yeah, which is way better than using a credit on it or even trying to wait on it from the library on Overdrive just to see. that. I, I, I did that yesterday, actually. I grabbed a $2 book because I saw Whisper Sync on I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, try it out. I, I like the Whisper Sync a lot. I think we hit most of the things we want to talk about except for recommendations. But I also see you have... Yeah. ACX on here? What is that? I like ACX. ACX is really cool because until recently, it's also an it Amazon company. Uh, Amazon Creation Exchange or Audio Audiobook Creation Exchange is okay. what it is. Um, it is an Amazon company that is basically their self-publishing for audiobooks um, where they let so many indie authors do ebooks now that audiobooks are a completely different mindset or a completely different monster really in terms of setting it up. And I mean, you you know all of it that goes through a, a production, any kind of actual voice production, a professional quality audiobook is is out of my hands. That as an indie author, having my own books uh, out there, I could sit and read my books, but it's not going to be the same as Will Wheaton reading one of John Scalzi's books. There's going to be a definite difference in quality there in terms of acting, performance, production, editing, all of this. And ACX is a marketplace for indie authors and, and other people as well. I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure, but you can go on there. And as an indie author, I've listed my books in the marketplace and given a script for an audition. And the narrators will come in and give auditions and you can either pay them up front to produce your book and a lot of times it's around three thousand dollars to give depending on the length of the book to pay them to fully produce professionally your book or you can do a royalty share where you split it 50 50 with them uh so it's a no cost up front on either of you to get a professional quality audiobook listed on Audible and iTunes and Amazon. That's so and cool. That's what you did, right? You did the royalty share for yours. That's what I did. I've got the first two of my novels, Birthright and Lineage, on Audible right now. Go buy them! And did a royalty share. And they are fully professionally narrated with music and intros. And this the, the narrator, C.B. Drogi, he did... Uh, uh, an audition and it was just phenomenal i loved it and it's super easy to do and it gives people like me 
an option to actually get out there in a new marketplace, as well as readers to experience, honestly, good independent books that they may pass over for being 99 cents on, or free on Amazon and look at it like, eh, it's not really my thing. I don't, I don't like reading self-published authors. But if it's on Audible, it is past that quality of, uh, the, the, it's passed through their inspection process and, and made sure that it is a professional quality audiobook on there. And it is super cool. And has really opened up everything for indie authors, so that they're just mixed in with professional, professionally, traditionally published uh, audiobooks, and it's just wonderful. Like I'm so happy that this exists, and not a lot of people know about it. And you really can't tell the difference when you're just scrolling through Audible, which one is an ACX title versus which one is a, you know, I don't know, Random House Audio, other than just it saying Random House Audio on it. That's really cool. That's that's awesome that you were able to do that. And you're right. It's kind of like um, having another gatekeeper in the system for quality, because uh-huh. especially if you're doing royalty share, because if you're an indie publisher, you yes. probably aren't going to just drop three grand on it. You know, you're probably <laughs> no. going to do the royal share. Um, if you do the royalty share, it means that the narrator has to like your book enough to spend hours and hours and hours with it which is yes. just another check on quality. So I like that. That's that's a really it cool is. thing. ACX, you said? ACX.com, yeah. Okay. It It's really cool. And if you're a voice actor, if you're a podcaster or anything like that, I know that they let you put up your own auditions. Like, these are the kinds of voices that I do. Look at me being a troll or whatever you want to do. Like, I am a robot. And you click on it and people can see that from you. <laughs> and uh, there's our title for this week. I, I didn't even think about it as I did it. Uh, one of those. And... Uh, but you put it up there, and if you're a podcaster, if you're an audio person, you're wanting to get into this kind of production, that's a good way to get credits and clips. So even from the not uh, writer side of it, if you wanted to get into voice acting and production and really get that and edit and do for almost freelancing type stuff, you can take that chance and put it up and work with somebody and be in that marketplace and have someone either approach you or do auditions for other people immediately on acx.com. Like it has opened up a wonderful new world in audiobooks for people that it could not have existed until just a few years ago. That's super cool. I like that a lot. That's that's a really good system. Um before we jump over to weekly geekery and stuff, uh, I we decided we were going to do a couple recommendations and Right when so we we have lists of ideas for the podcast and possible segments in the future and topic lists all these kind of things that we planned before we ever started recording so we would have things to grow with and one of our ideas was to maybe do like an audiobook of the week later so we didn't want to sit here and make this into a recommendation podcast so we both of us just picked our top two audiobooks that we could recommend that would be a good place to start or that we really liked so for you you said your first one that you ever had is still one of your favorites right yes it is still one of my favorites i might have listened to it i've probably listened to it at least three times it might be four times i would actually have to go back and look at the book log that i keep um ender's game by orson scott card the 20th anniversary version and it might just be the basic version that's on audible right now if you just go download ender's game it is so well done it has multiple narrators for multiple perspectives it is just wonderfully put together it is easy to follow. The, the The production is just so high quality that it hooked me on audiobooks a decade ago, and I still go back and periodically listen to it. Uh, it is it is just so good. Listen to Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Yeah, I like that one too. I've I've listened to that one uh, at least once, if not twice. But yeah, I okay. I totally second that. Um, so one of mine is The Name of the Wind. And it's actually one of my favorite series ever. I know I've told you before that I don't really like reread things and rewatch things. There's only a few select things that I will go back and spend my time on again after the first time. And Patrick Rothfuss, The Name of the Wind. um, Oh, so good. The the second one also. um, They're amazing. Like, I love that series. I can't wait for book three. So when I found out there was the Audible version and I picked it up, the narrator Mm -hmm. is really, really good and okay good yeah it's it's a really good performance so that was one where i love this book and i hope that the narration doesn't mess it up sometimes i go into something yeah. like that if i already know that i like the book and this is one where the narration is definitely good it's a great listen the name of the wind is fantastic i want to listen to that because before book three comes out 
I'm going to reread them because like you, I took a long time to get to that book that people kept recommending it. And I'm like, oh, it's high fantasy. It's traditional. Eh. And then I actually read it. I, I used all uh, overdrive to get the books for it and checked it out of the library using eBooks. And it's phenomenal. It is so good. And I just didn't want to spend the time reading them over again before book three. I'm going to listen to them if the narration is actually this good. Yeah, it's one of my favorite series ever. And I mean, Wise Man's Fear is just as good. Um, But again, if you haven't started that series, Name of the Wind is the place to start. Yeah, do it now. Um, My other one is Lock In by John Scalzi. Have you listened to it? I have. That one's really cool. And I know why, but I bet you're going to say why. Which version did you listen to? There are two versions of the audiobook. There are two versions of the audiobook. There's one that's male and one that's female because the protagonist is never actually designated male or female throughout the entire book. So if you read it, you make an assumption and it will stick in your mind for whether the protagonist is female or male. I had read the book um, when I when I actually read it before I listened to the audiobook version. And I assumed it was male, I guess, because I'm male and that's kind of the default, which is a little sexist or maybe it's just because I'm male. I don't know. Um, Yeah, we do have that sex bias. But yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, so when I when I listen to it, I listen to the male version, but I know I like Scalzi's writing a lot. If I go back, I will listen to the female one the next time. I'm going to do the same thing. That's actually one of my plans this summer is to listen to the female version of it because I didn't realize as listen to it. I actually only listened to it the first time as the male version. I listened to Will Wheaton do it because I saw that he had narrated it. And I didn't know there was a female version until I was listening to the Writing Excuses podcast and they mentioned this. And I was just blown away because I was like, this I didn't notice that it never mentioned a he or she, that it is that the way that the narrative is set up, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but the way the narrative is set up, you don't ever know. And it was such an integrated part of the narrative that being able to use audiobook technology to do both sides of it was just phenomenal. It was a very small change in my mindset that that was like, this is what audiobook technology can do. This is how you can get two completely different perspectives out of the same book. And it's just it's just fun to be able to do stuff like that. I get excited by new uses of technology. And lock-in is a wonderful uh, example of how technology can be used to do cool new stuff. Yeah, and then I like that one a lot. Um, my last one here is The Martian, and oh, such a good oh, The, the Martian. It was I think it was my favorite book of last year, so like 2015. Okay. And then I listened to the Audible version of it. It was the first time that I really felt like the narrator added so much that the audiobook is a completely like separate product than the book. Like really, yeah. I mean. Usually I feel like they're the same thing, just experience different ways and narrators are good and they can add to it. But The Martian is the first time where like in my mind, reading the book is one thing. Listening to the audible version is a completely other thing because it's so transformative. And then watching yeah. the movie is a third version. So there's three versions of The Martian for me. And the I think the audible one is my favorite version because the narrator is so good. And the thing about The Martian is that most of the book is told through logs of, Mm -hmm. if if you don't know, it's somebody who's stranded on Mars. That's not a spoiler. It's just kind of the setup. Yes. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's that's the setup. And most of the book is told through logs of him. Like he writes the log about what just happened that day or what had just happened since the last time he wrote a log. So this is him basically like reading the log out loud to you. It's it's amazing. Like, did you, if you like The Martian, you should definitely listen to the Audible version because it's amazing. That's the one that I listened to. I started, I haven't read the ebook of it, but I've listened to the audiobook twice and it gets better the second time that I listened to it. Uh, I taught a sci fi class, senior college. College senior level sci-fi class, it was a directed study for one of my students, and one of the books I signed was The Martian, and went through back the audiobook, like, went back through the audiobook, and it's awesome. Just the narration is fantastic. It wasn't just the initial, oh my goodness, this book is so good from the first listen. The second time, it was every bit as good, if not better, because I could fully enjoy it and and just get wrapped in and immersed in that world because of the narrative logs that he did. And the, the narrator is just so fantastic. Yeah, I love that one. So we will drop links to these in the show notes. Um, yes, you can tap over and check those out if you want. And we'll link them. We'll probably just link them directly to Audible since we're talking about the Audible versions. Right. Um, the other thing before we get to Weekly Geekery, 
I wanted to mention we launched our second podcast on the Geek to Geek Network. So it's Yay! one. <laughs> Yay! I feel weird. Like it, I'm plugging it in its hours, but it's mine. I'm so yours. It's, it's video game news now. It's one that I'm doing solo, and it's basically I'm I'm taking the headline news from the world of video games, condensing it down, and only keeping like the top stories or the most interesting stories, and I'm trying to release it every weekday. I know it's not going to be every single weekday all year round forever because things happen, life happens, you know, holidays happen. (laughs) But for the most part, I'm going to be doing it about five days a week and it'll give you a nice overview of all of the gaming news that's out there. And it's like, if you want to dig deeper, people are smart. You know, people know Google Foo. People know the news sites, you know. Yeah. People know they can go to Kotaku or Polygon or Game Informer or IGN or like, you know, they, you can go these places. If you're a gamer, you know where the news comes from. So you don't need me to link you to them. And like one of the things that I noticed, and it's the, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, is that a lot of these news sites take a headline that is, you know, from a press release and put that out there and they might have a sentence or two of actual good information. And then there's five more paragraphs because they have to fill up the space and get you to read through. And Uh you don't need that. Like if you get the headline and that one or two sentences underneath it from me, you don't need to go read the story most of the time, you know? Yeah. So I follow gaming news because I think it's interesting and I'm pretty good at making things concise and summarizing. So I thought there are a lot of people out there who just don't have the time or don't have the inclination, but they would like the news if it was in um, a digestible format. So that's what I'm trying yeah. to do. So if you're interested, video game news now, um, by the time this goes up, there should be about four or five episodes up because I started it this week. Um, there will be a link in the show notes. Otherwise, go into your podcast app of choice, type in video game news now, and I think I've submitted it basically everywhere. You should be able to find it. It's I actually like it because I am the kind of person who I want to know everything that's going on, but I don't want to take the time to it to actually go read everything every day. And so I read other stuff instead of video game news. And so this has actually helped me a great deal to see, oh, that's cool. And I know what's going on that this is actually I'm the kind of person that you're doing this for. Yay. So thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, well, and each episode so far has been right around like four or five minutes. Like they're not very long. And that's what I want. You know, if you hear this when this releases on thursday night you go download like uh, there should be about five episodes up you can probably listen to all of them in 20 to 25 minutes and get the entire gaming news for the week yep and then go investigate whatever you want for more details on reddit or wherever you go yeah and i'm trying to include the links that make sense like if there's a cool trailer or a video out or um there was a pokemon go sign up you know like Mm -hmm. if it's a handy link that i think is actually worthwhile to click through but i'm i'm not going to try to promote any sites i'm not going to try to click through for this article you know it's it's right. when it makes sense, I'll drop a couple links in. But it's it's really a high-level summary view of the video game news for the week. Or for the... Since the last time. So, you know, about every day or so. Right. Good so, stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for letting me plug that. I will probably throw it in my outro from now on and not give it this much time. But I wanted to explain it the first time. Thank you. <laughs> um, weekly Geekery. So, it's time for our Weekly Geekery. Um, it's where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you have? Uh huh. Well, I I see that you changed mine, which is fun, which is great because I thought about the same thing in our notes. You guys, uh, we keep notes of what we're going to be talking about, and I scroll down to Weekly Geekery, and I see that Void has changed mine into Hamilton. Um, if you didn't know and haven't caught up on past episodes, Void is obsessive with Hamilton the musical. Um, he has listened to it dozens of times. I've made fun of him for listening to it dozens of times on loop. And this week, I joined the gym and decided to take his advice and listen to Hamilton while I've been working out. So I started, I went to the gym and, and I listened then to the first. what happened? I listened to the first four or five ep- like songs from it, uh, and it was really good. I, I started about halfway through my workout, actually, and got through those. I'm like, this is fun. This is cool. I like this a lot. I'm going to finish this later. And yesterday, right where I picked up, I went out and rode my bike. I went out to the trails uh, and rode my bike. Uh, I live in Alabama, so we have a place called the TVA Reservation that there's about a 12-mile loop of trails around. And so I was going to go. I figured I would do 10 miles or something on my bike. Just a, just a nice afternoon uh, hour or so listening or uh, hour ride well 
it turned out that I was out there for two hours. I rode 20 miles because as I listened to Hamilton uh, in my headphones, as I rode my bike, I had to keep riding so that I could finish the story. I, I knew what happened. You know what happens to Alexander Hamilton? I mean, you know that Aaron Burr shoots him. Like we all learned that in like the seventh grade. But... Oh my goodness, it's so good. I just want to listen to Hamilton all the time now. My wife and I were walking down the road and I kept going, rise up, rise up. The entire time we were walking for, to the restaurant, <laughs> I we were talking about it at dinner. I started it immediately at the very end of it as I rode my bike back to my car. I even got through the first couple of songs that I went back to my car, um, immediately started it again. I have to take back everything that I made fun of you for, for being like, dude, you listen to it over and over again. It's like 13 times, man. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to listen to this 13 times. I need to do it right now. Hamilton is so good. It's a friggin' masterpiece. I don't post on Facebook much, and I wrote out a really long Facebook post about it yesterday just to get other people to listen to Hamilton. Like, I don't, un- I'm, I'm sorry. This is my public apology for you for thinking you're crazy about this. It is probably the best well written and well put together uh, musical slash opera I've ever heard in my life. It is all upbeat, it is emotionally damaging, and it is beautiful and wonderful, and you need to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again right now. Yes. People go listen. Yes, it's on the record now. I feel good. I feel vindicated. And pro tip. If you finish Hamilton and you feel emotionally destroyed, just start it over. It's it's the best course of action. And it really does make you feel better, and it makes more sense as you start the next one. It's like, oh, yeah, that's where the beginning of this started. Okay, like, really, it's good. Listen to it over and over again. It does get better. I'm it's sorry, amazing. Void. Thank you. So my weekly geekery is MasterChef Australia. Um, okay. My wife and I, we started watching MasterChef a few years ago, the American version, because we live in the U.S., obviously. Nah. We, well, no, we, we liked it. We liked it at the time. There were a couple good seasons. We were really into it. And then as time went on, um, it kind of started to wear on us because it's very, very competitive. And it's very much about, yes. you know, they try to, like, play up the rivalries and, oh, you're going to knock this person out. You're going to have an advantage. You're going to do something mean to this person because you won the advantage. Things like that. You know, it, it has that American yep. competitive spirit. And and I don't like that. Like, that's one of the reasons I don't like competitive shows very much is I don't like that that kind of thing. Yeah. And it seemed like as time went on, that got more and more prevalent. Um, the, the earlier seasons we watched, it was still there, but not as much. And then like the last season or two we watched, you know, they're really just playing it up, like how much some of these people just hate each other. We stopped liking the <laughs> show because of that. Someone told us, go check out MasterChef Australia. So we did. And MasterChef Australia is it's the same like format of competition, but the spirit of it is inclusive and supportive and everybody in the competition loves each other. Like they're all trying to help each other out. They're all rooting for each other. There's no like rivalries there's no competitiveness i mean there is you know they're trying to they're trying to win still they want to win right they're not being mean about it they're not trying to win at the expense of somebody else and every time somebody leaves they are like the rest of the people who are still there are like legitimately sad to see them leave oh and the thing about it is that in the american version you'll watch the show and in like half an hour they'll do you know like two different competitions and they'll really like tighten it up like american you know quick tv editing and i usually like the faster paced but in masterchef australia they do like i think they do five or six episodes every week for like 10 or 11 weeks there's usually about 60 episodes and each one is an hour long and really, really digs into that specific part of the competition. Okay. It makes for this, like, in-depth look at the competition, but you really get to know the people. And it, I don't know, it's just so good. Like, if you want to see how reality TV can be done in a way that's not so competitive and mean-spirited and just kind of, you know, bad, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to see how it can be uplifting, check out MasterChef Australia. It's really, really good. I'm going to have to check out a couple episodes of this and get hooked because everything else you tell me to watch or listen to is really good. So I might as well. That's right. You should. <laughs> so so now that gets us to the point where we have our health hack for the week, uh, because just because we're geeks, that doesn't mean we can't take care of ourselves. Each week, we want to help you out by giving small hacks that we use to make our lives just a little bit healthier. And this week, Void has one for you. That's awesome. Oh, I do. That's right. It's you me did. this week. It is um, you. I so this is something that I found um, when I started trying to eat better about a year or two ago. Figure out some staple meals for yourself. Figure out like 
two to three meals that have you know they don't need to be like super healthy but they need to be healthy enough they need to be filling you know that kind of have like enough protein in them just be generally good for you um it doesn't have to be your like super crazy health food but something that you like something that will fill you up something that's decently healthy figure out two or three meals and then learn how to make them really well and just make them over and over for about a week these will get lodged into the back of your head and then you'll be able to pull them out whenever you need to eat it basically means that the next time you're hungry after you do this, instead of having to like go to the freezer, what's in the freezer, look in the fridge, what's in the fridge, what do I have around for produce, you know, like, oh, maybe this is mm-hmm. overwhelming, I'm just going to order a pizza. Because that's what would happen to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah? Instead of doing that spiral of looking around, being frustrated, not knowing what to make, and then ordering food, or going out and getting food, you have three things, and you're like, oh, I know how to make these, and I don't even have to think about it. You know, I have the ingredients, and I know how to make them perfectly timed, so that, like, Mm -hmm. I can put on an audiobook, or I can put on a podcast, and not even think about cooking these while I'm cooking them. That's that's really, uh, we do that. Uh, My wife and I have some staple meals like that, and I'll provide a link in the show notes to one of mine. Uh, It's twice-baked sweet potatoes, that if we, at least once or twice a week, we're like, I don't know what to do for dinner, and I was like, you want to have sweet potatoes? is like yeah why not that'll be good we have some stuff we call them sweet potato concoctions and we just throw a couple of sweet potatoes in the microwave we uh wait put some cheddar cheese in it and just make it up and put some stuff on top of it and whatever we have in the fridge and it's good it's something that we feel we don't feel deprived it's it's great just having something that's always a fallback that's there that's easy that takes 10 minutes to make Yep. So that's it. That's my health hack for the week. Find a couple staple meals, stuff. make them a bunch for about a week until they're just kind of like in the back of your head and you don't have to think about them anymore. And a lot of the times with these staple meals as well, you can change, you can do something different with them. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing every single time. Like I know for us, it's like sometimes we will top our sweet potatoes with chicken or sometimes it'll be black beans or chili. And it's just where it's not the exact same thing all the time, but it's the same base that it's just whatever you happen to have around where you just grab it and put it on there. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Guys and gals, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on Twitter at at geek2geekcast. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I also now run the Video Game News Now podcast, so if you're interested in gaming headline news, check me out there. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's, and I blog sporadically and hopefully more often coming up at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.